For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hidden, a true crime podcast. A forensic psychologist and a journalist explore the hidden motives behind unthinkable crimes while examining our deepest fears along the way. As we prepare for Chad Daybell's trial scheduled for April 2024, we revisit many interviews that have never been shared on our podcast until now. For many of our listeners, they understand the Lori Vallow Chad Daybell case. But for those new to this twisted case about doomsday beliefs leading to a murderous spree across states, to better understand future episodes, I really recommend our entire Beyond the Veil season. But hey, I also realize we don't all have time to listen to an entire season. So I took care of that for you, summarizing everything in a single episode. If there is one episode to listen to that will get you caught up on the Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow case, it is our May 2nd, 2023 podcast episode titled Beyond the Veil, the prequel, Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow, the background story you've never heard. You can also find this on our YouTube channel if you want the visuals. I wrote and produced this episode for that very reason, so everyone can have a solid grasp on this case in less than an hour. For any of your friends who need the basics so that they too can follow along into the next months and into Chad's trial, send them that May 2nd, 2023 episode to get them started. Now, back to this episode we're about to listen to. This is an interview that explores the unique beliefs Chad Daybell preached. It's an interview with Eric Smith, a friend of Chad Daybell and Julie Rowe. To refresh your memory, Julie Rowe is a woman whose near-death experience books Chad published. They were books that Lori Vallow and Alex Cox both read and studied. Eric Smith and Julie Rowe were once very close to Chad Daybell and preached many of his same beliefs. We've talked about Eric Smith before, and he was mentioned several times in an interview we did with a woman who calls herself Girl on Fire. You can find that episode on our YouTube channel under the title, Julie Rowe, Cult Leader or Spiritual Healer? 
Now, after that interview with Girl on Fire in 2021, I read a statement from Eric about his belief system in multiple probations. It's a type of reincarnation. Eric explained how Chad had become overzealous in determining who was who in their past life and that Chad would use a pendulum to determine a person's past life. Eric was excommunicated from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in 2020 for standing by his unique beliefs in multiple probations. This interview with Eric and myself was originally recorded in 2021 before Hidden True Crime even had a good microphone, so forgive the sound from my end. At the end of this interview, I'll share some additional thoughts I believe are important as I look back on this interview three years later. I have been wanting to talk to you since December of 2019 when I first heard about you. So I'm really honored that you would talk to me today and that you'd be willing. So thank you. That's a pleasure. Thank you too. I do remember emails coming through back then and uh, your name does ring a bell. So no, I'm glad. I like the work you do. I've gotten a couple of your books. I have finished this one, Multiple Probations, A Lost Doctor Remembered by Gregory Christensen and Eric Smith. Right. By Julie Rowe. I'm almost through this one. I was trying to finish it last night, but I've read the majority of it. The Church of the Firstborn, Gregory Christensen, Eric Smith, edited by Julie Rowe. So I, I have been looking forward to this interview and preparing for it. So doing your homework. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I have a lot of questions for you, but I also want you to be able to share what you want to share and you feel important. I've seen you do some interviews and I know that the nature of that, I've been a TV reporter. They have to cut it short. They only have so much, a lot of time in a show. So I want to give you the opportunity today too, to be able to share anything that you've wanted to share. And I will be willing to, to share that publicly. That sounds good. Thank you. Let me tell you the history of how I've learned about you. I have been following this case from the very first day it hit the media, the Daybell case. And then I recall the first video I saw with Julie Rowe and you were in it. And since that time, I've watched a lot of videos with you and Julie Rowe and then some with just you. I learned that you had some beliefs that went off the path of the mainstream church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's, I think what you've said so far, so far is fair. Okay. And you were excommunicated by the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, right. right. And when, when did that happen? Can I, ask? that was June 2nd of 2020. Of 2020. Okay. Yeah. Then I interviewed Girl on Fire, I will call her Girl on Fire. I know that you know who she is too. Girl on Fire and her husband, Paul. I reached out to you before that interview was, was released saying, hey, if you want to say something, you can. So with all that being said, could we start with your statement a little bit that you? Uh, sure, yeah. yeah, that's good. I don't have it, so hopefully you do. <laughs> well, in it, you shared how you learned about multiple probations. Mm -hmm. And I think that the public knows multiple probations. Let's be honest through Chad Deba, right? That's how the entire world was introduced to that belief. And so why don't you share with us 
what your belief in multiple probations is and how you came across it. So in about 2014 or 15, I started a blog called Doctrinal Essays. And I, I was just going through this kind of awakening of, I, I just knew there was more in life, um, more, more than just living the day to day, even going to church week after week. And I just fell in love with the gospel and I started researching and just diving deeper into the gospel than I had under, than I had previously. And it became really satisfying to me. Um, so then so I just wanted to start there because yeah. I, I want you to feel like my love for knowledge and truth. And, and I just realized there's more to be had than what's coming across church pulpits. And, and and it, to me, like I had to go through this little journey of overcoming some fear of doing so because there's a bit of an expectation in LDS culture to stay in the box, you know, and, and really only look for truth in things that have the church's logo on it. And, and that was fine. I love I loved the church and I love the things it teaches. I just know there's more. And I felt, I started to feel safe going outside of the box and looking to you know, let's just say Confucius or even other, you know, Catholic priests who have said ins inspirational things or other religions. And I just, I've found goodness everywhere in so many places. And so anyway, I just, I, I love learning. I love truth. And I know that it's to be found in lots of different places. So that's, that's really the beginning of where multiple probations started for me. Because along the way, and I, I honestly don't remember, but it was something like 2016, um, maybe 2017. I don't know. I'm lousy with dates, Lauren. Okay, you got to understand this about me. So I can, if people are going to fact check me on dates, trust me, I'll, I'll make errors. I just do that. Okay. <laughs> so. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. You're not promising any exact dates. <laughs> That's right. Right. For whatever reason, I'm just kind of blocked on that, but on dates and years and stuff. But but it was about that time that I I think I was on some websites and and it was a recurring pattern. You know how this happens sometimes. You're on one website and they mention you know reincarnation or something, and then another website mentions it, and and then I just I decided to research it and learn about it, and um and it started feeling really inspired to me a lot of the things I was reading and I and I could recognize in the inherent belief and doctrine of reincarnation that there are false things about it but I expect that I mean I I don't I've learned over the years that I can't go to any website or to any church or in to any book and realize like that it's a hundred percent correct so I'm okay going to sources that have some false um teachings I just kind of filter those out you know and I like to use the Holy Ghost to do that and it works pretty good for me so anyway I just started researching that deeper and deeper and um and and that was right at the peak of my um I guess my journey with Julie Rowe we were writing her biography we had just finished her biography and started exploring these things and we all did, did it independently that from the beginning because that's actually one of my questions how did you start writing Julie Rowe's autobiography well okay let's let's go back in history with, there or biography quick. or auto was she writing it or were you writing it i wrote i wrote her biography her she biography. narrated it to okay. me and i i had to synthesize it and put it together yeah. in a coherent like um, a ghost writer right right yeah 
Well, that that story starts in 2014 or 15, about the same time I was kind of waking up. Julie had just released her books, her near-death experience books. She and Chad went on a on a is it this one? Was this her first? No, that's her third book. Okay, her third. Thank you. I really yeah. wasn't sure. Okay, this is her third book. Right. The first two she she wrote were about her near-death experience, and Chad kind of synthesized, helped her write those. That okay. book you just held up is a combination of the two, um, written more for a, a general audience, but I'll leave that to Julie to talk about if, if you feel interested to talk to her. Okay. Um, she and Julie, she and Chad came to Rexburg at a speaking event. There were probably 2,000 people there at the Rexburg Tabernacle, and I was there. That was the first time I had seen her. I was very interested in that, and I thought it was a great um, meeting, well attended. And I became very curious about Chad and Julie and these, who these people were. I, I was interested. I had read probably a dozen, at least a dozen near-death experience books by that time, because I was getting from those books, I was getting this spirit of prophecy that I had been missing in my church meetings, you know, mm -hmm. frankly, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to the LDS church, but I don't see prophecy, I don't see warning. And, um, and I was getting that from the books that I was reading, which was really awesome for me. So Julie sends out a, an email a short time later to, to those who have been following her, asking for help and volunteers with her relief organization. And I just mentioned some of my professional skills and thought that they might be useful to her. And she, she said that they would be. And, and something like a year went by before we really had any contact after that. And then, so about this time, it's 2016, the end of 2016, I think. And that's when, maybe 17, I, I honestly don't remember. That's when we decided to start writing her book together. I, she knew I had some writing skills and recording skills, and um, she basically started narrating her history to me. And um, so it turned into her biography. Okay. And then how did you get into multiple probations? Sure. When I first heard of it, and I, and I don't remember what the situation was, it was a website or something my heart burned within me huge, big time. Like, whoa, this is, this is true. I know it is. I don't understand anything about it, but I know I'm supposed to study it. I know it's true. And so I, I started, but, but I have to say, I, I love this, this earth. I think it's a beautiful place, but I don't, I don't love, I don't love life. Sometimes it's, it's hard. And mm -hmm. if there's anybody who doesn't think so, they're lying to themselves or something. This life can be really hard. And so, so I struggled and wrestled with the idea of knowing something was true, that I may potentially come back here again in another life or that I'd done it before and I didn't want to. And so I, I for several months, six months, I, I wrestled with that with God and had very, very heartfelt, tender conversations with him about this and one th one piece of information led to another and i just i just became more informed more educated on it and it it became less of a of a, a grievance to me and it and i started to see how this belief system is is beautiful it filled in holes in my understanding of you know let's say the plan of salvation or the eternities and how how these things work over time and um 
it explained things to me like the the complicated marriage situations I'd seen in in people that I knew who had lost spouses and had remarried. Um, and you know, there was one person, one couple in particular, an older couple, and and I knew both of them had lost their previous spouses and and married each other and to, you know they they fell in love and and yet i knew they loved their previous spouses and so it there are unanswered questions in the lds church about those complex relationships and frankly the the doctrine the belief system of multiple lives reincarnation probations whatever you want to call it just filled in the gaps and um gave me answers that I was looking for. So that was cool. And so Julie's, Julie was my very good friend at the time. And we, we talked and compared notes. We didn't research it together at all. Um, but she, I would say, hey, I learned this. Is, what do you understand about that? And she would you know, confirm or, or clarify. And I did the same for her. And, um, and then I, had, I was starting to become more com comfortable in talking about it with my close friends. And I had a couple other close, close friends that I mentioned this to. And they, you know, expectedly kind of refused it at first. It was like, well, maybe, but I don't, I don't think so, you know. And so it's fine, you know, it's like, hey, that's your journey. I've got mine. Um, and uh, one of these, these guys was, was close to Chad Daybell as well. We were, we were all kind of a group. We would meet once in a while and talk once with in a while. Chad and Julie or. Yeah. Uh -huh. And friends that you're not necessarily naming, but close friends, right? Like a group, maybe that kind of believed in this, or yeah, a small group. Well, at that point, I mean, we hadn't talked about probations as a group. Okay. Up to that point, it was all just effort to, you know, basically help Julie and her relief organization, which which is all about creating safe houses in days of trouble ahead, right? Mm -hmm. That's that was what brought our group together was Julie's organization. And was um, this happening in Rexburg? Are you in Rexburg? Yeah, I'm in the Rexburg area. Sorry, Rexburg area. Yeah, East some, Idaho, we can say. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and 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 there were several others that are in that area, but there there are people scattered up and down the Wasatch, you know. So it, this would happen in the East Idaho area or, or Rexburg area. Julie was in Kansas. Would she visit a lot or was she in Idaho a lot? How did that work? Yeah, she lived in Kansas. Uh, she came over on, you know, group meetings as she felt directed to. One year she came quite often. You know, there are other years she didn't come very much. So. Okay. And I know you're not good with dates, but roughly, do you know what year this is ish? Uh, well, what? So when you're sorry, yeah, when you're starting to meet, it's not necessarily about multiple probations, but you guys are getting together with a group of people. Chad is a part of it. Julie's a part of it. You're a part yeah. of it. Quite a few others that we won't necessarily name. It's probably 2017, and it started with a small group of people, and it it kind of snowballed and just got bigger. And okay. as Julie reached out to other people, I remember people coming from Colorado and Southern Utah and Arizona and stuff. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And so you'd get together with this group and share. And what did it feel like in these groups? Well, I have to say, like, what I've been talking about so far, like multiple probations, that was always really intimate. That was just a couple people that was that was never really discussed in a group setting, you know. So 
and it was and that was sparse just as you know once in a while i'd call somebody or go to somebody's house and just kind of talk about things so um but the i think you're talking about the larger group meetings that julie did i i'd rather kind of leave all that to her and to, and but but generally to answer your question there were she held group meetings i don't know in 2017 2018 i don't know three four six times a year at most or something and 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 honestly i don't know a lot about I, I don't really know what the purpose of those meetings was but just to kind of spread the the vision she had of her relief organization you know rescue missions and safe houses and that kind of thing okay thank you and would you um and i, I you know i hope to interview her one day you know a lot yeah. of people um say that Chad Daybell's belief system started here. And so I guess I'm trying to find out if this is it where it started. Would he be a part of these groups? So so again, at this point, no groups. There's no group. Okay. There's no like group it, gathering. It's just it's friends. just me chatting with friends, just a couple friends too, not even not many at all. Um so but there's this one friend in particular that I was talking about. I'd go to his house and and just kind of pitch this belief system to him. And a few weeks went by, maybe months, and he he came back to me and was like, you know what? I've been researching and it's true. And and I'm telling you, this guy was emotional and he's a big guy. And um, it was nice for me to have that that validation from him. But anyway, he was he was on his own path and he was just telling me what he had learned and how he felt it was true. He told me later a couple of times that he he pitched that to Chad the whole belief system in multiple lives and Chad at first denied it, refused it, didn't believe it. And then basically had the same experience as my friend. Some time goes by, I don't know, a month or two, three months maybe. And they're talking about it more at length and Chad just dove in and he, he, he ate it up. And, and then maybe a few months later, by that time I had started just asking the Lord questions about my own history um, of who I've been, where I've lived. And, and, you know, there's familiar patterns in scripture or history that I just identified with and just started asking my own questions about my own journey. You lose weight, it comes back. You lose it again, it comes back again. And if this cycle sounds familiar, you're not alone and there is a better way. What if you could take a weekly shot to lose weight and keep it off? That's where Roe comes in. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with lifestyle changes so you can lose weight and keep it off. Roe handles it all, even insurance paperwork. If eligible, you have access to a provider on demand. You can sign up online from home, no doctor's visits. Average weight loss, get this, 15 to 20% in a year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria do apply. Go to road.co slash hidden. Sign up today and you will pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's row, R-O dot C-O slash hidden. 
While Chad Dable's attorney complains of Tammy Dable going through menopause in the courtroom, most women can relate to her experience. Many of us know it can be hard to find comfort in our own bodies, experience cravings or depression, but Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier, and that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any women with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code hidden true crime at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code hidden true crime for 15% off today. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days, feeling like styles have changed so much? Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. I signed up, I took a style quiz, and they offered suggestions that would best match me. The more I rent, the more on-point the styles get. Whether you are planning a date night, packing for a conference, or headed to a black tie event, you will have the perfect outfit without facing a fitting room with fluorescent lights. With my Armoire clothing rental, I feel brave trying new styles, because I know it's not forever. It's just for a week or a month. And my favorite thing, having someone else do my laundry when I'm ready for new clothes. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash hidden true crime. That's armoire.style slash A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash hidden true crime to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. And I started to get some insights about my own history, my own um, eternal history, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I kind of shared notes with Chad and he he was getting things. He came to my house one day and at this point, I think he did have his his necklace that everybody talks about. He'd, he'd swing it and get his yes, no answers. And um, he, so he he validated some of what I had gotten on myself, um, and and he he sort of became this authority figure on all things multiple probations. If you want to know who you've been, you go to me, kind of thing. Uh, and and he said at that first visit we had, I'm getting pretty good at this. I have some I have some natural abilities in determining these things. And to clarify for everyone listening to this, what we're saying, multiple probations, some want to call it reincarnation. I know that's not your favorite term, but meaning you live before in a different life and Chad saying he's getting really good at knowing who people are in their past lives. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I understood, but to clarify. Yeah. That's good clarification. Um, he, yeah, so he's, he's became so curious and I think he did recognize, and I'll be honest, I think he does, Chad is gifted. There is no denying it. Okay. And anybody who says otherwise is, is, is probably not being truthful with themselves. People are spiritually gifted. I believe all of us have spiritual gifts and a lot of people are empathic and can read people's energy and hearts. And, you know, Chad had some of that. Chad How is he gifted? How is he gifted? Well, he had a thin veil. He he could see and discern things on the other side of the veil. He could see energies. Um, 
the the thing that I've learned, and I've been around a lot of say gifted people in this way, in the visionary aspect, um, knowing discerning things on the other side of the veil. Julie's has exceptional gifts. Um, and then I've met several others that are the same, that are visionary, see things, discern things on the outside of the world, um, see spirits, talk to spirits, feel their energy, even smell them. Their senses are just different than most of us. And I'm totally comfortable with that. The thing that I've learned is that with these folks, they, they are open, but, but that doesn't just guarantee that they're open to light. And so there are other voices. There are hidden voices, dark voices. Um, call them satanic voices if you want. And, and all of them who have those gifts struggle with discerning between the two, um, from my experience. I, so I've learned, you know what, listen to these guys and gals and see what they have to say, but you have to take it to the spirit. Okay. And, and oftentimes, oftentimes they're not getting pure revelation, you know. Sure. So with Chad's uh, thin veil and his gifts, and he was saying he was getting good at being able to tell who people were in past lives. Do you feel that was a gift of his that he could tell? Or do you think? Yeah, I really do. I, I do think that he, he, for whatever reason, he was tapping into some source that gave him insight. But I know, I know he wasn't always correct, but I do know sometimes he was. And, yeah. and um, anyway, we can go into to that a little more but he and then it, it started pure and he was a very humble chad and he he was all the way through the time i knew him until things broke on tv minus about a year he i did notice a shift about a year before all the news broke about him mm -hmm. he he became more withdrawn from me from julie from the group from people and just um i i just i didn't know what was up but he just, he just became withdrawn. And, and um, once in a while I met him or texted him and he was just more distant, more standoffish, less, less willing to meet and talk about those things. Um, so that was, there was a change there. Um, but I always believed him to be an honest and humble guy, you know, quirky and odd, but I'm, I'll just be honest, I get along well with quirky people. That's kind of, that's because I'm one of them. And so I fit in, um, but he, but a genuine, sincere, good-hearted, good-natured guy, you know, very many, likable. Many ex describe him as humble or soft-spoken or um, kind of, yeah, quiet. So what you're saying rings true to how other people that knew Chad have described him. But you're right. saying there was a shift in it. And so would you say like in 2018? Um, I, when did all this story break? So yeah, that, no, that's that a great strange. question. I know. So I'll help you with some dates because I know right. it's confusing for you. So 2000, December 2019 is when it broke in the media. And yeah, it was yeah. December 26, 2019 that you um, recorded Julie or interviewed Julie Rowe who stayed, who stood by Chad at that time. Right, right. And you actually said something interesting, I, I wanna say in that uh, video, because you said, Julie, there's a lot of compelling evidence against Chad. I, I sense that you were actually kind of looking back and looking, you, you, you do seek evidence. Speaking of news media, Julie, um, 
you know, as I watch these, they're making a pretty compelling case about some of the accusations they're... against them. Do you think it's possible that Chad and his new wife, Lori, are innocent of any foul play? That, that all these not accusations. Not, not only is it possible, I know he is. Okay. I know Chad Daybell's heart. I know him. And I don't believe he, he has it in him to hurt any child or his wife. He's raised five amazing, beautiful kids. That's well said. I'm just a witness to everything you just said. Thank you. I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, thank you for tuning in, folks. I would like to just personally ask you to put all judgment aside until the facts come out. Um, we live in a very judgmental culture. Um, let's just wait. Wait till the truth comes out. You didn't say one way or another. You said let the facts play out, but you did say there was compelling evidence. But Julie and was standing by Chad, and I think for the most part you likely were too, although you didn't give your opinion in that. Video. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I still stood by him, but I was, but there was a lot of lot coming out that was pretty compelling. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I think I relinquished some of my own sovereignty and independent thinking, and um, and gave it all to Julie. Frankly, she she started saying things that were comforting, like, "No, he, the media's got it wrong. He, mm -hmm. he's." Um, He's innocent in this. I, don't, I can't remember exactly what she said, but. In all these stories that are going out, I think one of the bigger concerns is that the children are okay. The two children. Can you see, do you see anything, hear anything, feel anything with regard to those two children? I deal in human trafficking, soul trafficking every day. This is part of my life. In what way? Can you explain At, how? On a spiritual level, I spirit travel, I go over this, I go over all of this this whole galaxy and there's soul trafficking going on and there's human trafficking on this planet. I have emergency disaster relief safe houses. I am not hiding Chad or his kids. Keep going. I did ask that question about the two children, okay, which is, I think is one of the big questions people I, have in their minds. Are they okay? I am in such an uproar about the backstory being twisted and turned and people not knowing and they get all this fear and anxiety and manipulation and control and yada yada. And they believe the authorities and they believe the media when they should be actually listening to like what their heart tells them yeah. and get rid of their fear energy and, and maybe like ask your guardian angel. But you know, we don't live in a world like that. <sighs> the kids are safe. And, and it actually comforted me. I was like, good, you know what? I want to believe that this is my friend. I don't want to believe all the bad stuff. So uh, that makes um, complete sense. That's why we, that is very often why humans set aside compelling evidence is because we don't want to believe right sometimes right. the thing we want someone to tell us it's you know don't worry it's okay so that's actually some really interesting insight it, it felt comforting to know that the media had it wrong yeah yeah, yeah i wanted to believe they had it wrong mm -hmm. at that point i was pretty emotionally invested in chad i really believed uh in his gifts and everything and um, and especially things that he saw about the latter days and end time scenarios, you know, we had by that time, you know, when the media broke out and everything, I had probably been in, I don't know, 10 meetings with him total. Um, and, and, and that's group meetings and probably three, four, maybe five individual meetings, just one-on-one -on -one where we talked about things and, so we had bonded quite a bit at that time. We were, I considered him a dear friend. And so it was, yeah, the, the denial when that stuff hit the media was just, it was 
it was big. And I, yeah, anybody who watches that podcast will see it. We, we really believed he was innocent. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that and helping me understand that. Again, I remember watching that. I think it was the day you guys put it out or the day after. That's how invested uh, I was. Because I remember you, it was December 26th and it was Christmas time. And I had my parents in town and I even had my dad watch it. Welcome to Eyes Open. Today is December 26, 2019. I'm Eric Smith and I'm interviewing Julie Rowe. Although, I mean, I will say there were some things in it that were hard to listen to from an outsider's perspective when I heard that Julie said that Chad had told her that Tammy was going to die. I asked him three weeks before she died, Chad, are you still seeing Tammy dying? And he said, yes, but I don't know how. And I don't remember what else he said about it other than I said I had been asking too. And then my angel said, yes, she's going to go. She's almost graduated from mortality. That was my introduction to Julie. And so that was overwhelming to me as someone that was already learning that Chad was in the news and then hearing that I'm, I'm going to be honest, that was an overwhelming moment yeah. to hear that. Well, I can, I can add to that a little, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please. They, uh, I should let Julie cover this if, if you get that opportunity, but, but I'll just simply say I did hear talk of Tammy passing a, a good, a good year, maybe two years before that, that he saw that as something that was coming. I would just take notes here and there, write my journal and kind of record stuff, little snippets. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was something that was talked about once in a while. Okay. Well, you know, and I know we're not going in a liter linear guideline but like you say something <laughs> and I have another question we'll yeah. go with it because you know in all of my interviews with people and in listening to people I've now heard speculation that a lot of spouses were going to die Tammy was speculated and you heard that too that she was going to die and she died Charles was one of those and I don't know if you heard that or not but but clearly, uh, Lori Daybell, Lori Vallow then speculated that Charles was going to die and was killed by Alex. And then Julie uh, has stated that she has seen Jeff Rowe, her ex-husband, was going to die. And I've heard that Joel Gervine speculated that his wife was going to die. And so it, it, it is a concerning pattern I've seen and I don't know if I have them all right but this is what I've heard another pattern that happens with these people is that we noticed a lot of their spouses were supposed to die Joel told me that his wife was supposed to let me let me just add my bit there Please, I never yeah. knew the Vallows Lori I didn't even know Lori's name didn't know she okay. existed until did you ever brought forward and did you ever that? meet Lori no, never did. I didn't know she existed until the media brought her, her name okay. forward. Yeah. And um, so I didn't know about that. I did hear about Tammy. I did hear about Jeff, but, and I, I'd never heard that about Joel Gervine. It's a pattern I'm seeing. Was it ever concerning to anyone? You kind of already explained it at the beginning of this, that multiple probations made you feel peace and bring you a lot of answers to like when spouses die and you can fall in love twice and you get remarried it kind of brought you those answers and so it could be that maybe spouses dying was a part of that understanding of multiple operations am i making sense yeah 
as an outsider looking at the pattern, I'm thinking, whoa, because I'm already hearing from the very outset, I'm hearing two spouses are already dead, right? So that was my right. introduction into this. And so when I start hearing other spouses have been predicted to die, it feels really, yeah, overwhelming to me. Yeah, definitely. I hear you. I, I, I see how that looks on the outside. I, I feel like people were just preparing for the worst in a lot of ways, because if you, if you go backwards and read the near-death experience books, okay, they talk about, which, which most people, I, I would say all people in the Julie, Chad, um, you know, latter-day end time scenario prepping minded people had all read multiple near-death experience books. And, and one thing all those books have in common is, is vic visions or depictions of latter-day scenes when there's great destruction. And by the way, this is all biblical and prophesied. So I, I don't think we need to just put this on the visionary people that have been coming out in the last several years. But it is prophecy that there will be great destructions. And John the Revelator talked about a huge number of people being being taken from the earth. Um, Isaiah had six references that I've found that talk about the great number of people that will be called home in the last days. And so, so at this time, then, as you're, where you are in this narrative, people are mindful that there's going to be a destruction. And they're I think a lot of people are preparing for the worst. What would my life be like without a spouse? How would I get by? What, you know, <laughs> do I know, even know my bank account number? My wife handles all that stuff. Would I be prepared to hand, handle the financial planning and management? Um, do I even know where the band-aids are in, that, in my house? You know, those kinds of things. And so, so I think it was common for people to consider the possibility of losing a spouse and how they would cope. You know what I mean? So when Chad uh, veil was thin, as you say, would he go, I've heard a couple of different accounts of Chad and another person going door to door or visiting people. One account was from Sean Little Bear. Sean Little Bear said Chad and Julie wanted to meet with him to tell him who he was. Was this something Chad and Julie would do? I know one conference we went to Rexburg and Julie Rowe requested to meet with me alone. Her and Chad Daybell were at a house. And they sent me a message, and Mike and Nancy came over and they said, Julie's requesting to meet with you alone. And at that time, um, my wife was my fiance. We didn't find out till later that Chad and Julie wanted to share with me that I had a previous life. And in that previous life, I was Samuel the Lamanite. And go door to door. How did how did they go and tell people who they he felt they were in past lives? No, no, Julie wasn't involved in that stuff at all. Chad sort of took this role, this calling on himself to to identify people, and then he would go door to door. He came to me to my office one day and my home, and we talked about things. And I heard of him going to other friends' house. You know, door to door sounds a little 
it's not like you're that, right. right. Okay. It's, that's yeah, that's fair. That's not the best term. So people that were on his radar, people that he was interested in, who he, who he, I think he had visions about probably, I don't know. I'm just guessing there, but I do know he went to people's homes and, and shared that in a, in sort of a personal special experience, you know, the, but then there's also the group meetings where Chad would go to people's homes and have like a fireside. And those were, I went to probably three, four of those. And those were always promotion book promotional, right? He had his books and he would talk about what's coming and people would ask him questions. And so he did those kinds of group meetings a fair bit. Um, I, I think he and Julie would talk and stuff, but I, I don't know what they talked about. And uh, I, I think they would probably talk about people's um, past lives and just compare their own visionary skills and, and what they saw and understood and that kind of thing. Okay. Thank you for sharing that because I'm just relaying what people have said. So again, there's the Sean Little Bear story where he said that Julie and Chad were trying to meet with him to tell him um, who he once was in a past life. Then there's a story of girl on fire and her husband, Paul, who state that Chad and Julie would, you know, kind of try to tell people in general who they were in, in past probation. 2018 is very important because that's when multiple probations got brought into the scene. They were introducing reincarnation, but saying that to all of us, we have lived before as different people in throughout history. That makes sense. And who is, who is saying this? Julie. Julie. Julie Joel. Eric. Uh, um, obviously, Chad believed it. Chad knew and he had talked to a lot of these people himself. They would go to his house and discuss this with him. Like, and I don't know... If they ever felt like, hey, I feel like I'm Alma the Younger. Chad, am I Alma the Younger? Chad showed up to this person's house and said, okay, I'm here to talk to you about multiple probations. What do you want to know? It seems to me like Chad and Julie would both receive something right about the same time, like within a short period of time from each other. And they would call each other, call each other and then say, hey, what do you think about this? And then... There's a story of, I talked to a Dustin Thane who said that Chad and another person visited him. Chad asked if he could speak with me. He, I mean, we're from the same town. He lives up the road a little bit. An acquaintance, I did not know him well. So he came over with a friend. They asked to, to speak with me away from my wife, which was a little odd. They took me to a place in my house and he began to explain what he had been into and a pendulum and he was asking these questions and he told me what level of light I was and listed all these people that he thought that I was in a, what did you call it? Another probation. Um, anyway, an uncomfortable situation. I sat through it, listened to him and that was about it. He called it family history. Um, I remember a few of the people that he said that I was which made me very uncomfortable. They told me that I was not to speak to my wife about it. Do you know who Chad would go with? Because so, so Destin didn't want to say who the other person was, but he said Chad and another person. Was, was it people going with Chad? Would he go alone? I don't know that. 
you don't know. I don't know. The, the few times I met with Chad, he was just alone. So I don't okay. know. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for just yeah. sharing what you know and what you don't know. Why do so many dogs suffer from health issues? It turns out that actress Katherine Heigl, who helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says that she has seen more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is that the way many dogs' foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw a huge transformation in their health. She has made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step -step how anyone can do the same thing and see incredible changes in their dog's health. Look, John and I are dog lovers and are currently searching for the perfect family addition and how to keep them healthy and happy. So if we can help keep your best friend healthy too, we are happy. Go to badlandfood.com dot com slash hidden true crime and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B A D L A N D S F O O D dot com slash hidden true crime. A quick word from our sponsor. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and I want to tell you about a very special book. It's called mylifeinabook.com. It's a service that also turns your mom's life stories into a book. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send your mom a question via email, and then your mom types her responses or record her voice, and mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, her adventures, her strength and perseverance after losing John's mom just a few months ago. Sharing her stories helps us keep her memory alive. And so we've gifted mylifeinabook.com to family members. My dad is legally blind and typing can be tedious when you can't see, but my dad can actually record his answers with voice and mylifeinabook.com transcribes his audio. It's been an enjoyable thing for my dad to tell his stories and his book is almost done. I don't think there is any gift that matters more than preserving our stories. Stories change us and teach us about what we value most. This service now puts our stories into the most beautiful, high-quality book. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code HIDDENTRUECRIME at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code HIDDENTRUECRIME for 10% off today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And would he take his necklace with him to, was the necklace always part of this process, this visionary process? I Like, not, not early on. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what he did at other people's houses, but for me, like the first time we met, I don't think he had it, but a short time later, he had found that necklace at a church building and he, he did start using that more. I probably saw him use that three times, you know, maybe twice, but. Did he tell everybody he found it at a church building or is that just something everybody learned? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
he i don't know i can speak for myself he did tell me that he found it at a church and this you know he said the spirit told him to keep it and and um dedicate it bless it and you know and so that's all i remember okay so he felt it was given to him as a tool yeah okay yeah tell us about this was part of your statement that you shared with us in response to Girl on Fire's interview, tell us about who Chad said you were in a past probation. A lot of these teachings came from Eric Smith because he was known in the group as a very insightful. He was Isaiah in a previous life. He was Isaiah. So he's very <laughs> what he doctrinally sound, yes. quote unquote. Uh, yeah. So how do you like that? Well, okay. So let me clarify, like, Again, I think I said this earlier, I had done my own research and been praying quite a lot on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not interested in learning about other people early on. I did. I did get there. But um, no, I was just interested in my own journey, my own history and had come to the conclusion of many things. Chad came along and um, he, he came up with two or three others that I had not considered. And I was like, well, okay. You know, that's cool. I, I didn't get that, but I'll kind of go. I played, I went along with it and I believed him, mm-hmm. you know, for a while. So a lot of people said, um, it wasn't just Chad or Julie. There were many others that said, I reminded them of Isaiah. And, uh, I mean, thank you for the thought. If anybody's had that, I think it's humbling. I do have connections with Isaiah. I feel close to him. I love him, but I'm not, I know I'm not alone in that. I know many do um, like millions of people do. And I, I've even had special visuals and, and just understanding of things pertaining to Isaiah's life that are personal, you know, and, and that just kind of endear me to him and his mission. And so it was easy for me to, to take that on, to accept it. it I, I shouldn't say it was easy because when, when you start to consider those things, could I have been this person? It's heavy. And, and, and the first thought people have is I don't want to be, you know, conceited. I don't, I don't want to like, I'm not that great. I'm just a normal dude, you know? Um, but by and by, I think, I think it's okay for people to just consider these things. And it, it's not like you're a bad person. If you really believe the doctrine is true, then of course you're going to naturally be curious about who you were. And at some point you've got to reconcile the idea that you could have been certain people. The, the problem is when ego gets in there. And, and if, if you ever hear anybody saying, I was so-and-so in a past life, it's like, you know what? I don't think so. Because if you were, you're not going to be flaunting it like that. And, and I never did flaunt. I never did tell people unless they asked or they told me they thought I was somebody, I would have said, you know, that's a possibility, but I've never been so convinced of any of my, my past probations that I would go tell people. And, um, and anyway, on the Isaiah bit, I do not think I was Isaiah, but I feel like there's a close connection. Maybe I was alive. Maybe I was one of the priests in his court. Maybe I was a ministering angel these are real possibilities. And I know this is unusual and people are probably laughing at that, but these are real possibilities. And to every one of your listeners right now who think it's funny, it's just as much a possibility for them as it is for me and Chad or anybody. We, it's, it's, 
you know, a, a vast majority of the world's population believes in this principle. It's, and if you read Multiple Probations, our book, you'll find that, um, well, we just talk about Constantine and how the, that Council of Nicaea that's often talked about when um, Constantine pulls this council together and says, look, we need to set a standard set of scriptures for our people to, to because at that time there were, there were three sects of religious people. There was the Gnostics and the, um, the other one's slipping my mind right now, but sort of the more what, what became the Catholic side of Christianity. There was the other, uh, the other group. I don't know why it's slipping my mind, but that's okay. One, they, you, yeah. you make a big Hindu connection. Um, well, the- and that's that's uh, that's there, but I'm talking about another Christian sect um, who followed Christ. But anyway, the point is, there were all these texts and factions in Christianity, and at this point, we're three, four hundred years past Christ's crucifixion. And there's some dispute about what he actually taught. And, and there were records floating around in the little parishes and churches and chapels and people's attics or whatever back then. And Constantine wanted to set a standard and lots of scriptures were left. These scriptures, I'm totally convinced, were edited, um, filtered out, inconvenient doctrines were left out. And I'm just, I'm just certain multiple probations, that idea was scrubbed out but the the cool thing is whoever was editing those scriptures those priests constantine appointed didn't understand the doctrine well enough to totally scrub it out of the scriptures and so there are remnants there are there are a handful of scriptures and i just think of these as just the biggest treasures and gems in there um that just scream at the belief of reincarnation and uh (laughs) And they're there for the truth seekers as just like this little cherry on top. It's like, thank you for leaving that. They missed it, you know? It's like, yes. So anyway, I'm kind of on a rant here. I don't even keep know. Going. Going. No, keep going. I love it. This is your, again, this is your opportunity too. Yeah. I, I, Eric, I could ask you 10 billion questions. I've got a list. So you also <laughs> share what you want to share and go on that, you know? Okay. So, well, yeah. let's, let's leave it there. I mean, I'm, I am just excited that those precious nuggets remain in the Bible. Um, in other apocryphal scriptures, like the Ascension of Isaiah, like the Mentana records, um, there's just, there's a number of other apocryphal records that, ta- that allude to, and in some cases explicitly talk about past lives. And it's just, here was the point I was making. Most people in the world believe it. It's a, it's a core part of, and it's so basic and common sense to them. Um, most people inherently know, how do you become like God? Especially in the LDS church, it teaches man can become as God. How can you do that in one life? You know what I mean? And, and consider like an, an infant or a stillborn, you know, somebody with no mortal experience um, comes to earth, they get a body, they die. And and are you telling me that that person qualifies to become an exalted God? I, it just, it's laughable um, compared to like Manasseh or somebody who lived 900 plus years, who has tons of mortal experience, who's gained wisdom, who's definitely seen, you know, loved ones pass on, who's been through hardship. And that, that spirit is more tempered now and through their mortal experience. And uh, so it's, 
the the idea that one life is is all you get is it's it's honestly and i don't mean this in a mocking mocking way but it's it's totally laughable it's it's super ignorant and so if you look at the world's population today you just have most of the world believes in it and then you have christians that don't and why don't the christians because they're all reading the same catholic bible that was scrubbed by emperor constantine and his priests you know what i mean so to clarify for those listening and i and i want to actually clarify for me too because I've, I've read your book one unique part of mormon theology you just mentioned it is the idea of eternal progression is that a good way to say it that people lived before they were born as spirits and in scriptures this life is often referred to as a probationary state mm-hmm. and a time to prepare to meet god right that's and alma that's alma in the book of mormon and then post this life there's this idea in mormon or lds theology i use mormon as a movement because again many there are many mormon offshoots right and you also have been you have been excommunicated but still believe in very much of the mormon foundational teachings is that yeah, definitely to say? Right. okay the idea of eternal progression i would say is a unique part of mormon theology right and so what I, what I gathered from you just now and what I gathered from your book, and so I'm just sort of restating it to make sure I understand, is the belief that that eternal progression, that you know, people can continue growing and continue gaining knowledge and continue learning throughout eternity doesn't happen unless you can live again and again to have a probationary state again and again and again. Is that... A fair way, and if you want yeah. to clarify and explain more, go ahead. But that's what I gathered from what you just said now, and from your book. And I don't know. If yeah, that- I no, I think you said it well. It's what my buddy Matt, who's a who's a co-author with me, and he's he's a contributor to my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, he it's what he terms single probation doctrine is what most Christians believe and most Mormons believe. Um, the idea you come to earth once and you, you know, you die. The, the teaching is really hazy in the church. If you ask about pre-mortality, you'll, you know, to any church member or, you know, church leader, you're going to get something like, well, you know, we live there as a big, happy family as spirits. And, and if you're like, what, what were we doing? It's just kind of like, you know, I don't know. Don't worry about it. It'll come when you need it, you know? And, and it's like, well, what were we doing? Oh, you know, I don't know. We were playing harps. We were, nobody knows. So there's this huge hole there. And then after life, it's the same thing. What do we do after this life? And how do we become like God? Well, they'll talk about judgment. You know, God gives us judgment and assigns you to a kingdom. And there you are for eternity. And there's no progression. There's no movement. You, you are, you're stuck for eternity. I remember hearing that when I was in primary I don't I must have been six, five or six. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that you're stuck in that place forever, I there was an emotional reaction that I clung to and I've held on to it ever since. And I'm 42. I'm I 
looking back, I know the spirit was talking to me as a little kid saying, that's not true. There's more to this. Now, I'm not faulting the church. I think they're giving the, the basic understanding. And it's what they're teaching is not necessarily false, but it's just grossly incomplete. There is, there is so much missing. And again, I'm not faulting them. I think it's probably necessary because I think most people are even struggling to grasp just what they have there. Um, but for those who are searching, who are hungry, who sense more, this belief system just fills in all the gaps. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, it is not again, mainstream LDS belief to believe in multiple probations, but you know, as, as your book pointed out, Joseph Smith did mention multiple probations. I think it was in King Philip's sermon once in a private, a very kind of unique moment or it was a funeral of sorts. It's been mentioned. Are those the type of things that make you sort of stay strong in your belief of Joseph Smith? I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I rely on what I've, like what keeps me grounded in the belief system is what's come to me purely, but mm -hmm. it's like a bonus that Joseph talked about it. It's a bonus that Eliza R. Snow and, you know, Huber C. Kimball and some of the others have pretty bold statements about it. None of them are totally explicit, right? These are but all you, these are all historical leaders in the LDS faith. For right. those who don't know that Eric's mentioning, okay. Right. It's just it's just odd that there's so many references and there's books full of references from early members of the church on it, and it's just it's almost like we've had our own emperor Constantine getting involved in those somewhere in the last 150 years and it's been scrubbed out. And so in an ironic turn of events, as this doctrine comes back, it's this doctrine of reincarnation or multiple probations is literally having another life. It's coming back to life again. Um, in both Christianity and the LDS church, there's, there's thousands of people that believe it, that um, inherently know it's true, but there's no voice for them. And they keep it quiet because, um, because to believe this, you know, there's this huge fear of excommunication. And there's so few people who are willing to stand for truth and actually put their membership on the line and take on all the persecution and, and judgment and ridicule for defending what's true, you know? So again, I'm on another rant here. Go, go okay. ahead if you have something you want to say. No, it helps with understanding. So as you just pointed out, there's a lot of, this is not, again, mainstream Mormon or LDS belief right now, so much so that you have been excommunicated for staying strong in your belief of right. multiple probations. I've interviewed a few people who have said, and you've heard some of those, or at least Little Red say that this this belief is dangerous. I can tell you at least a handful of other couples that have gotten divorced. Um, they did have affairs. Obviously people died. Um, yeah. It, this doctrine was so dangerous and the way they were going about it was just like, it was just another normal everyday conversation. We do have two dead children. We have multiple dead spouses. We have, we have people who 
have been charged with killing people, you know, and it seems that this is a belief system they had. What would you say to those who say this is dangerous? Well, what's dangerous, a belief in this doctrine or is it the egos of those people that got involved? I, it, everybody is conflating the belief system, which is unusual, I get that, with the actions of two or three people. It's, it's, like, saying, it's like saying the internet's dangerous because you can see bad words and pornography, so we should shut it down. It's not, the internet is, is bad, it's dangerous. It's, so it's, to me, it's just so unfortunate that something that's so beautiful and that's filling in so many holes and which is accepted by most people in the world has been conflated with murder of children, um, conspiracy, you know, lust, zombies, and these things that I think are so, that most of us just think are so strange. There's no reason to conflate those two. And, and if I'm to be more direct and honest, I see the whole thing with Chad as, as, an, as a front of Satan, of the adversary, to deceive people and cause them to not believe in a doctrine which is true because it seems scary and it's led to an outcome in one family situation. Um, <laughs> I don't have any intention of murdering children. I don't believe in zombies. Um, these, these things are not on my radar. I don't see the connection. I don't know why people are making that connection. I, it's unfortunate what's happened. In fact, it's, it's tragic and it's awful. But I think people really need to start separating multiple lives with the actions of one family, you know? Okay. Well, let me share then a place where I'm struggling with two uh, big parts of the LDS faith and how I, they seem to be butting heads here. Cool. Fun. <laughs> yeah. The LDS faith, so we talked about in, in eternal progression that's unique to their theology. Another thing that the LDS church, Mormonism really um, preaches and discusses, it's a big part of the doctrine, I believe you would agree, is eternal families. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can get sealed to your spouse, not just till death do you part, but for forever. It's very unique to Mormonism that you go to the temple, you get sealed to your spouse for time and all eternity, that in the hereafter you're together. How does that work if you have, if you have lived multiple lives with multiple spouses? This is the doctor yes. you shared with me. With, this was Eric and Eric Smith, Joel Gervine. Yes, they, they so both they, agreed with they us. They shared with me that the way that eternal marriage works is that we are all married to each other in heaven. And basically we just decide who we're going to procreate with or have spiritual children with. But yeah. we're all married to each other. A lot of these teachings came from Eric Smith. Right. Well, here's a thought. I don't, by the way, I don't know all the answers. It's complex, but I definitely have opinions on that. Um, first of all, my first question is, see, I'm in, I'm in this mode of 
now revisiting everything I've ever been taught to believe by the church, and I'm reevaluating it. And as my basis for doing so, I'm using scripture and, and basically just what, what I feel the Lord is telling me, you know? Mm-hmm. And if, as I look at that belief system of families can be eternal, it's really not scriptural. Now, I'm not saying it's false. I'm just saying, what do people have to support it and back it up in scripture? Almost nothing. So, so then they'll be like, well, wait, you know, Joseph Smith taught it. Yes. Yes, he did. And I, and I believe there's truth in it, but my, my current persuasion on this is it is that this belief that you can be with someone eternally is true, but there are, there are things we don't understand about that. And the church does not teach about it and probably don't understand themselves. And, um, in, in a more, I don't, I don't want to make the church look, put them in a bad light, its leaders and its doctrines or whatever, but I'm becoming more and more persuaded that it is the, if the church is a corporation, um, they have a business product and they're selling something. And what is it they're selling? It's that narrative you just said, look, eternal lives. If you want, if you want to go to super duper heaven, you need to do this, this, and this. Um, you need to be sealed in temples. You need to pay lots of money to get there, 10% of your income to get there. If you can do all that, then these super duper blessings we've promised will be yours. It's, it all sounds nice. It's their product. It's what they sell. And um, it's frankly not scriptural. Um, if anything that I've looked at when it comes to families that was said by the Savior is actually more on, along the lines of dividing families for his namesake, right? There's now look, people are going to misconstrue that all over the place. It's okay, I don't care. The Savior, the Savior said it. He came to divide father against son, mother against daughter. You know, he t- and the point of that narrative that the Savior gave us is look. Families are, families are good. Your relationships are important, but there's one relationship that's greater than all those. And that's your relationship with me. I'm your savior, you know, and, and that's my belief. And so if I just condense all this up, wrap it up now, my point is not to say families are not eternal and you can't be, you know, that's all false doctrine. Cause I don't think that's false doctrine. I'm just saying the, I think the LDS church and its members are putting a huge emphasis and focus on something that's not scriptural. And um, there are so many things we don't understand going into the eternities um, doctrinally. And, you know, I think these things are going to be dealt with on an individual basis. And I think in days to come, years to come, these things will become a lot more clear. I agree with you. There are a lot of things we don't understand. I'm going to take this a step further because I want to empathize with those who say this is dangerous and see what I see and what a lot of the public might see around the world, which is Chad Dayball would told Lori Dayball that he was married to her in a past life. He also predicted that Tammy was likely going to die. He had also dedicated his autobiography to Tammy saying she was his one and only. So this is, you know, a conflict in, in that sort of story, right? We have this autobiography, Tammy's my one and only my eternal companion. And then he's telling 
Lori that he was married to her in a past life, in a past probation. Totally. And now Tammy's dead. And, you know, he and his new wife are behind bars. So to empathize with those that are saying this might be dangerous, I just want to really delve into this for a second. And, and I appreciate you doing this with me. Sure, um, sure. We've heard other spouses are going to die which you've explained that way. So I'm, and you know, I apologize for bringing that up again, because you did answer that question. In addition to that, we have girl on fire saying that someone tried to, you know, have an intimate relationship with her outside of her marriage with Paul, justifying it by using the fact that there was a multiple probation and she, she was married to someone in a past life. Paul had talked to Joel that night on that Sunday and Joel basically had told him that now spiritual wivery exists and this is real and this is what's happening and you should be okay sharing We're all your wife. Be- to clarify, spiritual wivery exists. We're all Polygamy. Married. Polygamy. <laughs> yeah. But what about, what about women having multiple husbands? That wasn't talked about. Unless you're Julie. Unless you're Julie Rowe. I have heard off of camera, so I've heard from other people who have said, that um, Julie has Rowe has stated that she was married to different men in past lives. Does this start to pose a problem with with uh, being unfaithful to spouses or wanting to uh, try out a different spouse or? I'm just gonna share why I'm gonna empathize with people that say this is dangerous and we, do have two people behind bars in the world wondering, right. you know? No, this is a fair question. Does yeah. it pose a risk? Yes, it poses a risk. Absolutely. In the same way, putting the internet out there for everybody to, to use and experience is a risk for children being exposed to things or, or even adults or whatever. It's the, to me, the risk is no different. When you get ego involved, it can, it can get, it can get out of control. So this is where I look back at Chad's life. And I have to believe in that, you know, that year period before all the news went down and he kind of shifted from me and our group. Um, this is, I still knew the humble Chad, you know, the soft-spoken Chad. And I, and I, and I can't be his judge. I, I really don't know what went through his mind and his heart, but it's, it's, the evidence is kind of ominous. It's kind of looming and suggesting that lust crept into his, his life, his marriage. Um, and I, I don't know, it's just speculation. And I think there's been enough speculation to go around. Um, yeah. I just, I, I'm just inclined to believe when, when ego gets involved, that's when you're gonna have problems. And so, no, this isn't the time to experiment with other people's spouses. But, but you know what? I can't even really say that's not true. I don't know. It could be different for every person. And um, I just don't know. It's, it's an individual. We all have an individual path. And I don't think we should be looking at other people and judging them. If murder involved and things that break the laws of the land is involved, I think we have a real problem and we need to deal with those. But I'm not aware of any anything on that level except for what Chad and Lori have done. And uh, as far as I can see, the laws of the land are handling that, you know. Yeah, thank you.
Thanks for yeah. sharing your thoughts. You're the, again, you're the only person that I've even been able to ask these questions to. So. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, okay. Thank you. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you don't believe in zombies. Um, I did want to ask you a little bit about where you think that came up. I mean, there's two parts of zombies as, as far as I'm concerned. There's the term zombies, which is pretty crazy to me. But then there's the idea of a spirit, an evil spirit, being able to inhabit a non, you know, a, a, a body that they weren't supposed to. So right. most of us would probably call that possession. Possession. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Cause I, I would say most people say they don't believe in zombies, but the yeah. term is pretty crazy, right? Like we're talking right. like walking dead fantasy. So let's, you would call it possession. Would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what the scriptures called it. I think the Savior spent most of his time going around casting out demons and unclean spirits from from people. Um, so you would you would believe in this then the possession possession or sure sure I believe I believe an evil spirit can can possess a body just just because the New Testament makes it pretty clear that that happened. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, gosh, again, it goes back to this question of then, you know, Chad and Lori justify their killings using sort of this idea. Yeah, they use the term zombies, but what zombies means is what possession is. I don't know. I, I never heard. So I want to let me pause here and, yeah. and get to the zombie thing. OK, so this yeah. is the way it's been made manifest to me that chad has a three-tier belief system and the first tier is mormonism it's as taught out of the book and over pulpits the second tier is what i call the fringe tier all of which the principles in the second tier are scriptural they can be tied back to something somebody said something um an interpretation of a verse of scripture um and these are the things that the LDS church and, and a lot of Christian churches in general leave out of the narrative. They, um, they evade these scriptures. They don't discuss them. They're uncomfortable. And these are, I'm just going to name a few, like the end, the end of days. I mentioned before, Isaiah has six references to the huge number of people that are going to be swept off the earth. Um, that's uncomfortable. And you don't, you don't hear that over pulpits. Mm -hmm. So, so in my mind, while scriptural, that's a fringe doctrine. And to talk about even the second coming and the calamities that, that um, precede the second coming is uncomfortable fringe doctrine. We just don't talk about it. Another one is the 144,000, which is a scriptural topic given to us in the book of Revelation by John the Revelator. Um, not a lot of discussion. It's in LDS scripture. It's in Christian scripture. We just don't talk about it much. So, so to me, big part, it's a big part of Revelation, and it's so far a big part of your Church of the Firstborn book that I'm right, reading. right. It's oh, it's huge. No, it's 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 critical. Um, there's more like the building of the New Jerusalem. Ask any church leader about it. Oh, we don't know much. You know, it's going to be beautiful. Um, the city of Enoch. Enoch talked about it in the Pearl of Great Price. He had some prophecy and vision about the New Jerusalem, but beyond what he revealed to us, there's not much. Joseph Smith gave us some snippets on the New Jerusalem. Um, John the Revelator did as well. Um, 
the uh oh the the another buzz topic right now is the davidic servant most people call him in a singular but um me and matt and others are more convinced it's really servants in a plural sense and that comes from scripture that's again talked about pretty heavily in the in that book the church of the firstborn there the church of the firstborn itself is one of these fringe doctrines shows up in scripture shows up in the book of genesis shows up in um, lds scripture quite a bit it's especially doctrine and covenants um, and yet it's not talked about i, I don't think i've ever heard any sermon or discourse on the church of the firstborn in the lds church why why especially if it's in the scriptures so so you have the church all these... of the firstborn is in the doctrine and covenants a lot mostly talked about. it's it's in the bible and it's talked about a lot while in kirtland ohio with the saints like that's right yeah mm -hmm. yep and so if it's scriptural if it was talked about in the early days of the church why are we not allowed to talk about it now and somebody will say well you're allowed to but it's it's like we don't hear about it we're not taught about it. And we're, we're always kind of given the answer, just, just have faith, trust, you know, the Lord will give it to us in his own due time. That's all fine. But the scriptures do say, you can ask, let any man ask of God and he'll give it to them liberally and upbraideth not. Or, or in Moroni, by the power of the Holy Ghost, you mean to know the truth of all things. We can know these things. We can find out there are answers to those who are asking um, and many, many, many people are getting answers to those questions. So, so my point in tier two is there are scriptural based beliefs, even multiple probations is one of these fringe, but scriptural based um, belief systems. Um, the very fact that these are, are not discussed kind of suggests their, their taboo topics suggests that there's some censorship. There's something that um, they don't want us to understand. And look, truth seekers are going to find it. There's, there's no stopping a truth seeker. And they're curious-minded people will ask these questions. They'll get together in their homes and you know, around the fireplace and try to understand these things. You're not going to stop that, you know? Um, and especially where it's all scriptural. Okay, there's my rant for tier two, <laughs> tier three. Tier three is, is Chad Daybell's own device. He, he created it probably with Lori. He never discussed these things with me. I don't know about the others in the group. You know, I don't know if he discussed that with Julie. Um, but for me, I never heard about zombies. I never heard about um, him. And we never talked about possession. Um, we never talked about ch children, certainly. Um, we never talked about inf infidelity and, and lust and those kinds of relationships. So, so I only heard about all those things the same way you and everybody else did through the press media and the things that FBI and people have investigated and found. And um, Melanie Gibb and some of the other people that have come forward with their personal statements. That's how I learned it. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. The tier three system is dark. It's evil. It's confusing. It's bizarre sounding. It's, um, but unfortunately, most of your listeners, people listening right now are conflating the tier three with tier two. Sure. I see, I Me see too. those, right? I'm one of those listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I see no, I see no, um, tie-in with the tier three systems with the tier two i see no scriptural basis for the tier three beliefs um that's where i am inclined to insert ego some ego got involved um it was definitely ego with those two we yeah i'll agree on that i i think so i'm just trying not to be the judge but but i, I think you're right Look, no, I think I mean, it's, I think the FBI would agree with you on that. Yeah. I mean, and, and ultimately it's going to be the jury. That's the judge of that. Right. And so I'm, I'm putting my trust right now in, you know, the political system to carry out its due process and, and carry out justice. But so let, uh, so help me understand then what's in tier three, because I have, this is what I wrote. I wrote down what you were saying. That's in tier theory, whether you said it's dark and evil, bizarre, the infidelity, the lust, possession. But you did say, though, the possession has some scriptural background in the New I, Testament. Right. And then you mentioned children, which I, I assume you mean murdering children, but I don't know what you meant by that, children. Yeah, let's change that last one to, like, acceptable murder or something. You know, um, God approved, God sanctioned Justifying, murder. justifying murder. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So um, justifying murder, lust, infidelity. But again, in tier three, you're saying that possession, if it's not called zombies, it is scriptural. So. I, I, I didn't say, I didn't think I said, and I didn't mean possession should be part of tier three. That's, I would say that's back in tier one. That's just basic scripture. Um, right. Okay. Any, any Christian believes that, I mean, or they should, it's taught by Christ. But um, is that the zombie aspect of it, that's new to me. I would, I would lump that in there because that's, that's just an individual doctrine that I've just, I just never heard of. And I never heard Chad talk about. So this was, this was his secret life activity, you know, things that emerged with Lori, I'm guessing maybe some others, but I wasn't involved in that. 
And was it a secret affair? Like you didn't know that Chad was having an affair or. Oh no, no idea. I, again, I didn't know Lori Vallow. I didn't even know that right. name until the media brought that forward. Um, I had heard that he was texting individuals, married women. That's all I heard. And so that looked kind of suspicious, but, uh, but, but it's still back in those days, it was not, it was not in my nature to question Chad's integrity at that point. I trusted him. He, he, he wasn't capable of those things in my mind. And frankly, I'm still, I still struggle to even con consider that he's capable of some of those things, especially imagine. with murder with children. It's, I still struggle with that, but the, the evidence is all around. So, you know, it's like, you, you got to come to terms with it at some point. I can imagine though, that that would be very hard because you, you, you were once friends with him and someone you trusted and it would be yep. very hard. But yeah. To wrap your mind around such a heinous act, evil act. Um, so then tier three, Chad's belief system would be the infidelity, the lust, justifying death. Is that? Yeah. And zombies. And zombies. zombies should be part zombies. of that. And zombies. There it is. I wrote it. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. That's, I mean, that's that's just what I've seen the media put forward. That was when I heard those things, I was like, that's that's weird. The media is sure getting creative with this one. You know, I thought the media was producing all that, manufacturing it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so but anyway, you, you get it. As, as time yeah. has rolled on, it's looking like, oh my gosh, Chad really did believe those things. Right. I know. It's, I, I would say for even those that did not know Chad, it was hard for us to believe yeah. that he believed these things and, and that they both did. It's, right. you know, it's pretty crazy. Let's talk about the Church of the Firstborn and the 144,000. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Talk about a little bit more, but you're right. Cause it's, it's very biblical. Uh, 144,000 is in revelation and the church of the firstborn is written in scriptures too. The reason I'm bringing it up is because Chad, there's an infamous email now where Chad wrote Lori and said that they were going to establish the church of the firstborn and help gather the 144,000. Clearly they're behind bars now, but this is, a belief coming from scripture, but a belief that was talked a lot among your group of close friends. Is that fair to say? And it's talked a lot about, how about this? It's talked a lot about in this book. It's the title is the church of the firstborn. And I've actually taken notes on places where you kind of delve a little bit more into what the 144,000 means. And I thought it was really interesting. So I'll let you cool. share. And then if I have questions, I'll bring it up. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Well, I might just defer to your questions because I, okay. I mean, we could go a whole bunch of places with that. Great, yeah. So, um, so I I knew that 144,000 was talked about in Revelation. I did not know the things you brought up, and let's see if I can find it. I have a few notes, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mark it as well as my husband takes notes. Where you talked about where Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon per church sort of defined the 144,000 as gatherers. Maybe that was the word you used. Let's see. Um, I, I'm a little rusty too, Lauren. It's been quite a while since we wrote. Okay. That, well, but... we can, and I can edit space. Let me find it and sure. just get you the right question. Yeah. Like I said, I, my husband would have it exactly marked and color coded. 
Let's start with the Church of the Firstborn because I'm seeing more there. How about that? Okay. It is evident that Joseph Smith did everything within his power to establish the new Jerusalem upon the earth. When the efforts failed in Missouri because of the transgressions of the saints, he would build an impressive city in Nauvoo. Yet despite having all the necessary knowledge and priesthood authority, what Joseph Smith was lacking was a prepared people. Through the revelations of Joseph, though the revelations of Joseph hint that the Lord was trying to establish upon the earth the millennial church, the church of the firstborn, it seemed that Joseph's revelations were just as likely to produce apostates as to elevate the saints. Before the millennial promises could be fulfilled, the church would need to be chastened and tried, even as Abraham, who was commanded to offer up his son. And then I'm going to skip ahead. You kind of, you, it seems that your book implies that the church of the firstborn will be established. And yet just as the savior cannot put the new wine of his gospel into the old bottles of Jerusalem, the Lord faces the same problem in the last day, the new wine of the church of the firstborn won't survive in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And what you're implying there is that the church of the firstborn will be established and it won't be the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints anymore. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. Very scriptural. There's so many scriptures and I'm seeing more and more podcasters um, it, who are who are living in tier two, who are embracing the scriptures that are not taught over pulpits but which there's been much revealed and prophesied about um and, and so just for example on this on this theme of this not being the church some people will just say oh you're excommunicated you're disgruntled you're you know you're pissed off you want to fight against the church that's not true that's not my nature and my energy the bottom line is isaiah ezekiel jeremiah and others micah and some others have have full chapters that talk about the shepherds of Israel in the last days and how they will be feeding upon their flock and not um, not feeding, not nurturing, not caring to their flock. And um, in, in some in some of the language, the Lord is very harsh against the shepherds of Israel. And I take just so you know, I take the shepherds of Israel to mean in a broader sense, not just church leaders, but government leaders, those leaders who've been appointed by the voice of the people or by the Lord to care for the flock who are not. And, um, and I think we can see the same pat patterns and parallels in government as we can in churches. And, uh, and, and I don't just mean the LDS church. I, as I read the scriptures and look at this, these prophecies, I think the Lord is talking more about his church in the sense of Christianity mm -hmm. and um, how the, the shepherds of, of all those churches are kind of feeding on the flocks. And, and um, I do see the LDS church as the covenant portion of his, uh, his Christ-centered gospel, which includes all Christian, Christian churches. Um, and so I think the LDS church has a higher responsibility and accountability because of the covenants that have been made in temples. And just like in ancient Israel, if, if you're a covenant making people and you go against your covenants, the Lord has, <laughs> the Lord has a plan in place for you and it's not pretty. Um, and so this is, this is all a scriptural theme that the church, the LDS church as we know it 
is, I believe, in a state of apostasy and, um, and is not taking seriously the covenants that it makes and is, is frankly, ne neglecting and abusing the members, the flock, just as prophesied. And, um, and so I know it's uncomfortable for people to hear, but look, it's scriptural, you know, take it up with Ezekiel and Isaiah. It's not my words, you know. You explain a lot of that in your, in this book here, the church of the firstborn. Yep. Yeah. So recognizing that a new church is to be established on the earth per your beliefs that, you know, that you say are scriptural, which is the church of the firstborn. I did find this about, I finally found it. The 144,000, what you state. It is plain in the scripture that the church of the firstborn is the millennial church and it's missionaries. So the missionaries in the church of the firstborn are a group referred to as the 144,000 as Joseph Smith taught the 144,000 are high priests ordained unto the holy order of God to administer the everlasting gospel for they are they who are ordained out of every kindred, every nation, kindred tongue and people by the angels whom is given power over the nation of the earth to bring as many as will come to the church of the firstborn. Mm -hmm. So one thing that should stand out in the statement made by Joseph is that the authority of the 144,000 comes directly from heaven. They are, are ordained by angels, uh, not from authority that will come from the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I think I'm bringing that up to say, is this accurate? It was in your book. And, you know, do you still believe that? And to try to make sense of what Chad Daybell and Lori Daybell believed and that this is part of the tier two, because they did seem to believe that they were going to start this and that they were ordained by heaven. I have to, you know, I have to admit that I see these similarities in them, right? We're trying For to sure. make sense of their beliefs too. Oh, no question. <laughs> no, no, it's important to, to tie what you just read in the book there to Chad, because he essentially believed the same stuff. Right. Um, it, it's scriptural. The, the, yes, I stand by what we said there in the book. I think there may be some minor details, you know, maybe it's not angels that ordains them. I don't know. Um, but, but the, but yes, I stick by what we said there. Um, the, the thing is, you, as you, as you understand this, start to study and research this really deeply you the narrative becomes so clear what's going to happen the based on the biblical prophecies that the lds well the the lord's church and shepherds neglect the flocks in the last days that's a cause for the lord to bring destruction um ezekiel 34 is a good really clear case where the the um, shepherds are neglecting the flocks you have this kind of calamity period that comes in and then he brings forth his servant david and um, that, that can be conflated with the one mighty and strong, the, um, oh, he's mentioned all over. This David servant is, is mentioned all over scripture in all the LDS standard works and throughout the Bible for just pure Christians, you know. So this servant David, who people call the Davidic servant, is the figure who, who seems to be the one leading taking back the reins from the slothful shepherds. Um, so you could say the LDS church, the government leaders, you could say all the other churches, the Catholic church is no, is no small part of this. Um, 
taking back the reins, restoring order to Christianity, to the Lord's kingdom. And um, he's the one that's basically overseeing the 144,000 and building and establishing this church of the firstborn. So how do we tie Chad into all this? Chad understood that basically the same way as I understand. Yes. Um, so the thing is, this, this came after reflect, reflection and thinking about what happened to Chad. Um, Julie told me the same, that she believed that Chad um, thought of himself as that Davidic servant. So if you believe in multiple lives, and now you, you conflate yourself with the, with the prophesied figure, um, you, you start to see this picture. There's a great, and I think Chad started to see himself as being gifted, having power, you know, had a following, knew some doctrine that, you know, maybe wasn't real typical or common. And well, you, also, you also believe he was gifted though, too, that he and, was, and was gifted. actually gifted. Is oh, like, yeah. Right? Yes. And he knew, he knew of his own gifts. He, he was kind of coy and humble about it. If you want to say that, I, I think there might've been a little bit more nefarious intentions and in some of the, the, the humility that he portrayed sometimes, but it's, it's become pretty obvious. He thought of himself as this powerful Davidic servant figure who, who essentially had power over death um, and destruction and um, gathering people because he was he had a gathering let's face it um, he a following and was kind of gathering people um, I think I think it's true that he thought of himself as that Davidic servant and that all the all of the above in tier two fell under his immediate jurisdiction his his covenants his mission on earth if you will and uh, and Lori just got wrapped right into it and they were the they were the dream team for a little while, you know. Thank you for sharing that. Actually, um, there is so much speculation and debate, actually, as to and I was going to ask you, did Chad see himself as that as. You know, a servant or a prophet or a gatherer, however, whatever the term is that you want to use. And did he have a following? And you said yes to both of those things. Right. So I. To clarify, I never heard him say that, but all the evidence is there to suggest he thought of himself as that figure. Okay. Yeah. This dream team, do you believe Chad was the ringleader that kind of told Lori what to do? Or, or you, you know, who... Who was wearing the pants in that relationship? Yeah. Or like, um, I, I've, I've asked that, Lauren. I'm not really sure, but it just... And I again, I don't want to speculate too much, but it's like... I see a really interesting combination of backgrounds. Chad brought his tier two beliefs, um, which was, it's, it is kind of a necessity to understand those things. If you're to move forward into the millennium, you've got to understand some of this basic stuff. Um, I don't know to what extent Lori knew of those things, but she seems to have brought with her the understanding about death and murder and the conspiracy and, um, so I think when you combine their, their knowledge and backgrounds, you really have a perfect storm of conspiracy. And uh, I think they fed off each other. I, I don't know that you can properly um, pin the blame on either one of them. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. 
I don't, you know, we don't know. I just ask everyone I interview because I'm just trying to understand. So thanks, thanks. for sharing your thoughts. Are you okay doing okay time wise? Are you okay or did you need to go soon? I should I should probably go in the next half hour or so, but okay. That's good for me to know so that I can get through things. So let's go back to Girl on Fire's interview, if that's okay. I know that you know her. She discussed. Well, first off, let me let me see if I'm right here. Are are you friends with Julie Rowe right now? I would say we're we're friends. We don't talk. We're not like invested in any of the same projects anymore. Um, but you we're not. We're not as much anymore. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's thank you for clarifying that relationship. I wanted to understand that. In the interview with Girl on Fire, she referred to uh, Julie in the group back then when you were more involved in the tomorrow, what is it, the Greater Tomorrow Relief Fund and right. writing of her books. They they described a lot of pairing off or dividing of the men and the women that was done in those meetings she would talk about different things but none of the wives were ever included it was just the men really yeah that's interesting so would she she have your husband help and you weren't invited yeah a lot of it too was that she didn't want these men talking about it with anybody else but I mean my husband would tell me some things obviously we talked yeah jealousy let's just say jealousy was there um do you think she created that jealousy yes Absolutely. And, and I and I do want to share that I have some more, you know, examples of that from other people. We have that they said that, right? But then we have Destin things stating that when Chad came over with another person, they said, we only want to talk to you and not to your wife. Your wife uh, is not invited to this little meeting. He called it family history. Um, I remember a few of the people that he said that I was which made me very uncomfortable. They told me that I was not to speak to my wife about it and they left. And of course I went straight to my wife about it. And then we have Sean Little Bear stating that Julie wanted to talk to him alone without his wife. That Chad and Julie wanted to share with me that I had a previous life. And in that previous life, I was Samuel the Lamanite from the Book of Mormon. And they wanted to basically grill me on certain things. And they wanted me to go there alone. And I said, I'm not going alone. If I go, it's with my fiance. So there does seem to be a pattern here of people telling me this. Mm -hmm. Did this happen? Did, was there was there dividing of spouses or causing tension among spouses then? Well, I, I don't know about tension among spouses. There was a little bit in my in my family. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's true. There, most of the meetings were mostly men. There were there were wives that attended at some, um, and I can't speak. I don't know. I don't know Julie's reasoning for that. I'm I'm kind of more comfortable leaving this to her again because 
I don't, I, we just kind of went along with what she asked and, um, didn't, didn't always understand what she had in mind, you know? Okay. So you don't understand why, but you can acknowledge that there was sort of meetings were mostly among men. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. It's been stated to me by more than one source that you were married to Julie Rowe in a past life. Is that Uh, true? I think the possibility is there. Um, I can't say, I don't know that any of us can say with, with certainty that this stuff's true. Like I was this and you were there and we were, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, I recognize the possibility. Um, but it, you know, if it's with her, it's, it's also the possibilities there with others, you know, I just don't put a lot of thought into, into that because I'm happily married now, you know, but for a while, you know, I think you can expect this, Lauren, as, as insights come along, new insights, you're going to be curious and you're going to explore every angle. This is, this is like, you see this in your children. They're curious and they ask lots of questions. It's, I don't feel ashamed, you know, for, for exploring those possibilities. I don't think anybody needs to. What we do with the understanding is there's caution needed there for sure. But um, yeah, I explored all kinds of possibilities and um, for a little while. And that's just all that's all history for me now. I, I feel like there's some maturity that comes when you gain perspectives on multiple lives. Um, it just takes time. You know, there's a natural process you go through of curiosity and kind of vetting out what's necessary, what's not necessary. And I think to explore past spouses is an unnecessary part of um, of unraveling the mystery of multiple lives. Thank you for sharing that and for your forthcoming honesty. And so there was a time where you explored past spouses, but not anymore. It's not necessary now. Yeah. Yeah. That is fair to say. Mm -hmm. Thank you. There are other people that other men I've heard that were also married to Julie Rowe possibly in past probations and some jealousy among their spouses. I'm not talking about you now. I'm talking about some other people. Did you see jealousy and tension because of this sort of exploration of other spouses? I can't say that. No. And I think to say there was jealousy is an inward look on someone's heart and a judgment that shouldn't, shouldn't be made. Um, Whoever is saying there was jealousy that was, uh, I would say that's an unrighteous judgment. And I don't think that's necessary. I don't know. I, d- I personally don't know what was in people's hearts. And I can't really say that I saw that I saw that sort of behavior, to be honest. People doubt Chad Daybell's uh, near-death experiences. Do you believe them still? Do you stand by that they're real? People now wonder if you made them up. Yeah, no, no, it's real. He, I mean... I've seen this in a lot of people where they usually, when they're young, have some sort of experience, like a near-death experience, um, where they die or they come close to dying or something, which opens them up to the other side of the veil. And for the rest of their life, they, they're kind of open to um, you know, seeing, conversing with spirits, getting visions, glimpses as you're driving down the road, whatever. And that's, that's a really common thing I see in lots of people. And so that's nothing unique to Chad. Yes, I do believe 
that's that's where his journey started when he he always tells of a story when he was diving and he went through the water and heard it you know his spirit came out of his body and ever since then he had these gifts that's true but but i need to go back to what i said earlier once you're open to the other side and you see and discern and sense things and have visions it becomes a challenge in my observations of these people who have these experiences it becomes a challenge of um learning the voices is this a is this a positive voice a negative voice and there's constant battle of determining their source on things and so yes chad's experiences absolutely legitimate I have no doubt of it the voices that came to him and how he handled those things and what he heard and what he wrote and shared with people that's where the discernment needs to come in and um and I think he was often misled in what he said, but I think he also was often um, telling, well, I think he was always telling the truth as he understood it. It just, it, people just come to rely, hey, this person's gifted. I'm going to listen to them 100%. Everything they say is from God, you know, and that's, the, that's where the mistake is. You can't do that with anybody, mm-hmm. you know. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to just keep speeding along, but I, I hear everything you're saying. Thank you. Cool. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. 
I'm going to play devil's advocate with what you just said for a second. Okay. If Chad's veil was thin then, and these this is accurate, how do we know that, how do you know that he, you know, wasn't hearing things from God? I mean, I know he's behind bars and I know that he broke the law of the land yeah. and he killed people, but Lori believed it. You know, um, if if he has these gifts, as you say, at what point does it become ego, or how do you know he wasn't hearing things? You know, Nephi killed Laban in the Book right. of Mormon, and that was of God. At what point do you draw the line? If you believe, I, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. It, well, I have to say, though, I know that he made incorrect choices and and understood things incorrectly. I think he genuinely thought he was doing what he was supposed to. But at that at, at that point, I'm inclined to think ego's there. So he's um, he, he somehow thinks he's invincible from getting it wrong. Um, but you know what, Lauren, I have to say this, too, I. I only started realizing this when I talked to a gal named um, Donna Serafina. I don't know if you know that name. She's on Facebook is how I got acquainted with her, but she's been following the Chad Daybell case quite a lot. She's a psychic. Um, she lives somewhere else and she doesn't have the same background we have in, in Mormonism. But when I listened to her readings, man, she was getting stuff right. And, and she's a good example of somebody who has gifts, spiritual gifts, used them for good she wanted to help and she told me that she started to see towards the end there of chad's that he actually literally physically and intentionally connected with dark spirits so that he could get his way so that he could manifest you know whatever it was he wanted it's it's almost like you know the light spirits he was communicating with weren't providing what he wanted so he went to a you know a different source that's i'm perfectly capable of believing that um i yes i i held him on a pedestal and i i really didn't think he could misspeak for a while that's my that's my journey that's my mistake sure and i've i've learned from it but um now I have more wisdom and I'm grateful for my journey and what I've learned. And uh, I, I think the biggest lesson there is to not take anything anybody says as truth. You have to always take bits and pieces as they come along and check in with your, your own your, uh, maker, your, you know, your angelic helpers, whatever you want to call them. God, that's how I feel. I, you got to take every little bit with, to God and see what he says and if that's needful for you and your journey, your path, you know? Did Chad believe himself then? Did Chad believe throughout the whole thing that he was following God? So I think so. Until that point that I just mentioned with Donna Serafina, that he, if he intentionally started communing with adversarial, you know, unclean spirits or whatever you want to call them, I believe until that point, he, he did genuinely think he was getting inspiration from the Lord. And to be honest, I think you would legitimately have to get some inspiration from the Lord to believe what you're getting and to get the kind of following he had. You, you couldn't do it 
um, you, you couldn't make up stuff the whole time and get the following he had, I don't think. People, generally speaking, recognize truth. Um, the, the problem is when the truth is mixed with little pieces of error and people swallow that error because it's surrounded by truth. And so I think that's a typical thing. And I think that's exactly what happened with Chad. So yeah, he, he believed what he was getting was true. Um, his followers did. And then some, some error starts creeping in there towards the end, you know? Okay. When did people start breaking up with Chad? And I, I use breaking up as a lighthearted term, but I have heard, you know, in that two, December uh, podcast, Julie said that she hadn't talked to Chad in a while in December of 2019 when you yeah. both did that. I've never met Lori. I've never met her kids. And I have not talked to Chad. The last time I talked to Chad was three weeks before Tammy died. And then Joel Gervine has had told me that he stopped talking to Chad in 2018. And there seems to be something that happened. After he supposedly took the necklace, he was ducking and diving, trying to get away from, from me, from my wife, from us. In the end of September in 2019, he came to speak at the group in Draper. And one month before Tammy was killed. And he didn't know I was actually in that group. He just showed up. He excused himself. He said, I've got to quit speaking. I've got to drive all the way back to Rexburg. Did you ever stop talking to him or was that a relationship that was okay? I've mentioned this earlier in this podcast, but that he did, there was a period in time, I would say about a year before the media, you know, broke, broke, um, that he distanced himself. You did say that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that is true. I can, I kept contact with him because I, I was writing my own books. In fact, I reached out and asked if he might be willing to write a forward in one of my books. And, um, he never, he never responded to that. He, so I was still reaching Lucky out. You. <laughs> What's that? Lucky you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was probably, I think it was definitely by divine design, but he, um, he definitely started feeling uncomfortable with, with me, with others and kept his distance. But in that year, I did have maybe three contacts with him, a text, a phone call, an email. And we actually went on a drive together with some friends to go look at some sites. And um, he, was, he was noticeably different in that drive together, very um, withdrawn. And it, it, there was just a noticeable shift. But I just, you know, I just, back then I just wrote it off as always oh, having a bad day or something, you know? Okay. Dark and light belief system. What tier is that? Um, I, I don't know. That's Chad's own creation. I would probably throw that in tier three. I think generally speaking, you, you can kind of look at people and know if they pursue darkness or if they pursue light. But I, Lauren, I look at my own life and there have been periods in my own life when I pursued darkness, you know, when I was a rebellious teenager, you know, I wouldn't think twice about flipping the bird to somebody or something, you know, when I was angry and better with the world. But so at that point in my life, I was dark, but um, to label someone as light or dark as a complete, like comprehensive declaration of who their very being 
to me, I always felt wrong. And uh, I don't see any scriptural basis for it. It's unnecessary. That's that's Chad's creating. So I would, yeah, let's throw that in tier three. Okay. Um, Chad wanted to write scripture. Um, according to this infamous email I mentioned that he wrote Laurie about being gathers of the 104 and starting the church of the firstborn that was writing sacred scripture. Was that uh, possibly the sealed portion or do you know what that scripture was that he wanted to write? Do you know anything? No, no. As you were sharing that, I was kind of like, really? No, I didn't know this. I didn't know. There were some missions. There were seven missions that he told Laurie that they were going to fulfill. Start the church of the firstborn. One of them was write scripture, set up tents. What are white tents? Can you tell us what white tents are? Setting up white tents was one of the missions. Oh, no. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just deferring to some of the near-death experience accounts in the books that I read where people saw tents and fields, you know, gatherings, little cities of that. This, this would be times of tribulations. I'm thinking in that the scriptures talk about when, um, people are chased out of their homes and cities and they, they start to gather. So I'm assuming that's what that, what those white tents are. Okay. Did Chad believe his books were real? Real. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Thank you. And the real events that would happen. Did you believe they were real? Oh yeah. Yeah. I still think parts of them are true. I think they'll happen just like he said. I I think there are probably parts that won't. Maybe most of it won't. But I because I know the way he he taps into true and authentic insights. Yeah, definitely. I think we'll see some of those things. But um, but I'm not hanging my hat on it anymore. I used to. I'd be like, it's going to happen this way, and we're going to see this event happen. You know. But mm-hmm. now it's like. It's, it's more like, I think he generally captured a sequence of events that was probably correct. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look for the specific events that he discussed, but I think he was tapping into a, a legitimate source of truth there on a lot of that. Thank you. Um, and I know you have to go. I have so many questions. I'm just gonna keep going boom, boom, boom. And then just yeah. I gotta go if you have to go. <coughs> there, what, um, do you think happens specifically with, what am I trying to ask? The way that Tylee's body was found was particularly heinous. It was just horrendous. I have speculated and speculated, speculated. And I know you don't like speculation, and, but I can imagine that you also have because you're right. and you're, yeah, trying, you're, right. you're, you're trying to make sense of this. Mm-hmm. I've, I've wondered if it was sacrifice of some sort. I wondered if it was a religious, like what he was doing. Do you have, could you shed any light on any speculation of what this possibly was? I, I really can't. Um, that stuff's really uncomfortable. No. Um, gosh. All I, all I could add is I've, I have been researching the cult and some of their practices and uh, it uh, it looks an awful lot like it looks an awful lot like Satanism, and I I still wrestle with the idea of Chad actually being Satanistic or something. Um, but I at, at this point I'm not putting anything I'm not closing any doors on that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and to clarify, Reverend, we're speculating that we went to an uncomfortable place, but I was hoping you could maybe yeah 
you are closer to this than anyone, you know, so thank you. Thanks. Well, it's not like I, I never heard him talk about anything remotely similar to that. So that, so it's, no, I, I really can't add light, but, but that it awful, it does look an awful lot like um, satanic ritual abuse. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I hear you. All right. Um, two more questions. Sure. Because of that hard place we just went, um, let's first ask this. First, of, did you know Tammy Daybell then? Yeah, sure. We had. I mean, we went to some of the same, you know, potlucks, and um, we went to a concert together. Her family and my family, and uh, I never really talked to her. My wife did, but uh, yeah, that, I knew her, you know, well enough from a distance. Okay. You know, it sounds. You know, it sounds like you only knew one of the victims, right? You didn't know JJ. You didn't know Tylee. You didn't know Charles. Right. You did know Tammy. Uh-huh. Is there anything that you'd like to say to the victims, or to I mean, get the victims have passed, but the victims that are still alive, that are suffering, Colby, the Woodcocks, um, people that you've know about. The only people I knew was was Chad's children and Tammy's children. Them, I, children. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I, lo- I loved them, and I still do. And I, and like their oldest daughter, she was, she's a sweetheart. And um, their oldest son, well, all the I knew all of them, and we spent time together. And I think they're great. I love them dearly, and I don't know where they are. Like I think they still believe their dad's innocent and I can totally appreciate that it's I don't know how you can see it honestly but I just feel really bad for where they are I've I've we've lost contact with them we've tried to reach out um they're they're rejecting our offers at friendship and love you know and I'm really sad about that, but I totally understand and I don't judge them. So I hope they see this and I hope they know that people genuinely love them. And uh, I'm just really sorry. I, I think Chad, I don't know that Chad has really considered the ripple effect that he set in motion in time and space and, and generations to come. It's... Um, it's no small thing. There've been a lot of people that have been hurt by this and it's not going to end anytime soon. And I think those who are living are, you know, they're taking the, the heat, the brunt of this. And so it's, I, I hope people will not judge them for wherever they are and just be loving and accepting, you know, and compassionate to those who are still around. So I really appreciate that. People wonder about his children. Thank you for humanizing them. And thank you. I, I, what you said rings true to me that what he has set in motion will affect generations. Yeah. And it's, it's sad how many people have been affected by Chad and Lori Daybell. Yeah. Hearing that. I want to read you 
a comment that was directed to you on the statement that I shared. You shared a statement with me in response to Girl on Fire. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this person who wrote this. He writes as if he might know you, but I don't know if he does. <laughs> um, he's a little, he chastises you a bit. He, he, he's hard on you. The statement. So that's why I want to bring it up. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this comment. Okay. It's from Father of Ten on YouTube. It says this multiple probation doctrine hasn't borne any good fruit in my opinion. It has only given people a license to do terrible things, as in murder and adultery. People can have their own beliefs, and Eric is welcome to believe as he wishes. But it's much better to focus on the beauty and love of this life and hope for the future than think about past lives. It leaves you vulnerable to all kinds of rabbit holes. Eric, I know you love the scriptures, but don't you think you've gone a little far with this belief? What about all the Julie Rowe followers that were flirting with each other's spouses based on the justification of past lives and relationships? They used it as an excuse to indulge their lust. Can't you see that? You gave up your own membership in the Lord's Restored Church for this belief. Why couldn't you have just put it up on the shelf and kept it as an open question for yourself to be answered later? But no, you had to go teach it and look at the result. Nothing good has come, and I could argue that this very doctrine of yours denies the atonement of Christ who suffered for our sins so that we wouldn't have to repeat multiple lives into affinity. Think again, my friend. Um he was hard on you. And so I wanted to give you the opportunity to share your thoughts. Sure. I, I mean, he's on his journey and I don't judge him. Like I've seen so many people come and go who, who will put caps on their understanding and knowledge. And when something's uncomfortable, they'll do that. I put a cap on it for quite a while. I, I was thinking about it, researching it, praying about it um but man when the when the knowledge came and the the confirmation from heaven to me you you don't easily walk away from something like that um there, there's a lot in there i'm not going to respond to there's just a lot of emotion and and he's there's some hurt and stuff but i i can speak for myself and say there have been good fruits I think he's right um, not to put a lot of focus on it. I'm, I'm not going to fault him there. And to live in this life, those are good points. I won't argue with those. Um, to, to talk about flirting with people's spouses, I don't know. I don't know that I saw that. Um, his experience is different than mine. Um, the fruits have, have been bad for, for who? For him? I, I don't know. For me, they haven't been bad. Um, They've been bad, obviously, for Chad and, and Lori in that situation because of his application of the knowledge. Um, that's Chad's journey. That's not mine. It's not your this guy who wrote to me. It's not his, his um, experience. We all have our own journey. Um, I'm not faulting anybody who chooses not to believe it, and I don't think they should fault me for, for making that my journey, whether they see good fruits in it or not. It's, it really is going back to the internet example, just because it can be used for bad doesn't mean we should shut it down. It can be used for good, just like the internet. 
Thank you. Um, why did you choose to do this interview today? The two reasons to, first of all, to deconflate the tier two and tier three belief systems to show people that this, that there are beautiful and true beliefs that Chad had that he misused and that's on him. Um, the second thing, second reason is because I see that there's in this journey, there's been a lot of heartache and a lot of hurt hearts. Uh, sorry, Paul, and, and you can beep that out if you want. They had their own experience. You can, it's, it's obvious they've had their own heartaches and I'm sorry about that. I've had my own heartaches. My, um, I have friends that have had heartaches and stuff, but this isn't all bad. We look at it as big negative experience. Anytime there's negativity, we can grow from it. And I've learned a lot. And um, my friends have learned a lot. And without, without the learning experiences, there would, wouldn't have been growth. And so my, my plea, and, and one of the reasons I'd like to do this interview is to encourage people to, to heal, to, if you've been wronged, if you feel people have betrayed you or hurt you or done something offensive, forgive them. The only way we're going to move forward and, and prepare for the second coming, which I believe will be soon, and, and I don't mean like in, you know, real near future, but we have to be forgiving and compassionate and, and heal from those hurts and, and love others and try to give them the benefit of the doubt and, and believe in the common good we have, that we can progress and that we're trying, even though those people disagree with me and I might disagree with them. I, I can say about Paul and his wife, there's a genuine interest in serving Christ. Can they see that in me? Because it's there. We might squabble about differences of opinion and beliefs, but it's not our unity and beliefs that's going to get us there. It's going to be our unity and compassion and love and forgiveness that's going to that's gonna help us um, get there. So I think we need to focus on those higher um, higher principles of compassion and in, in those emotions, um, rather than the divisiveness and the, and the defensiveness and the blaming and pointing fingers and stuff, that's just not going to get us anywhere we want to be. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Before we end, just a few thoughts looking back at this interview I did three years ago. After this interview with Eric Smith aired on our YouTube channel in 2021, Dr. John and I accepted an invitation to be interviewed for the first time on the podcast Mormon Stories with hosts John DeLynn and Mindy Caldwell. That two-part episode titled The Mormon Influences on Chad Daybell and Lori Ballow explored these unusual beliefs being prevalent in the East Idaho area where many of Chad Daybell and Lori Ballow's crimes occurred. Rexburg, Idaho, where Chad Daybell and Eric Smith lived, is a small, tight-knit community that is home to BYU-Idaho. Over 90% of the population is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Rexburg is headquarters to Avow, a popular doomsday prepper website whose owner, Christopher Perrette, gave Chad Daybell a platform. And Christopher Perrette claimed Chad was innocent. He claimed that Chad was innocent until the bodies of seven-year-old JJ and 16-year-old Tylee were unearthed in Chad's yard. While the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has removed the memberships of many who taught beliefs about multiple probations in East Idaho, including Julie Rowe, Chad Daybell, and Eric Smith, 
Church leadership has never mentioned or commented on the murders of Tammy Daybell, Charles Vallow, Tylee Ryan, and J.J. Vallow, and they have continued to avoid all media questions for nearly five years now. Heather Daybell is Chad Daybell's sister-in-law. Heather is married to Chad's brother, Matt, and was Tammy and Chad's neighbor in Fremont County, Idaho, where Tammy, Tylee, and J.J. were killed. Heather and her husband, Matt, have consistently spoken out about their concerns with Chad's extreme beliefs and see how the community they love has been infiltrated by some of these beliefs. Heather's groundbreaking three-part interview with Hidden True Crime is another I recommend, and it can also be listened to on our podcast. During that interview, as the three of us sat around our dinner table and Heather Daybelt relayed to us a story, it's a story that I feel is so important I want to remind people of it once again. Heather explained that shortly after J.J. and Tylee's remains were discovered on Chad Daybell's property, she was shattered, but found hope that an apostle of the LDS Church, Dieter Uchtdorf, was going to visit Rexburg, Idaho. Heather Daybell says she felt relief when she learned of the visit. She thought, finally, they are here to address my community's crisis and my crisis. Rexburg is hurting, and she hoped these leaders could give direction and guidance. She went to hear Apostle Ugdorf speak, and her heart sank when he only mentioned missionary work in the area and never mentioned the murders or Chad and Lori's victims. He did not mention any of the extreme beliefs taught by Julie or Chad and others. Ugdorf, one of the 12 apostles, was my very favorite. I loved his talks. So I was certain that one of his reasons in coming to our area was to address this issue. And I even, I didn't say anything, but I even thought, you know what, maybe my state president will hook me up and I can talk to him for a minute. Yeah. You're going through this absolute trauma. You're, you're looking for a lifeline. Yeah. Um, an acknowledgement of what's happening in, not just to me, but this whole community, this was devastating for the community. So when he started his talk, it was the same old talk about missionary work. It was about missionary work. And I even, so he opened it up to questions and answers. Um, we, and, you know, someone could get up and ask a question. I'm, I'm a state relief city president. I'm going to, I'm going to make a comment so I can directly talk to him. He can see me because you had to introduce yourself. So I stood up and said, I'm Heather Daybell, stake relief society president in the Henry's Fork stake. And I proceeded to give my opinion and I wanted him to see me. I wanted him to, <laughs> I'm sitting right here. Everyone in that room knew who Chad Daybell was. When I stood up and said, I'm Heather Daybell, they knew who I was. So the meeting ends, we all stand up as he walks away. And I, I remember, and Matt says, I remember you saying this, Heather, when I got home from that meeting, I was so deflated. And I said, Matt, he didn't say anything. I didn't, I thought maybe I would be someone he would talk to. Nothing. I didn't even, I didn't, nothing. I was so deflated. And at that time, still believing. And but it was just one of those things like, why are they not addressing this? Right. Why are they not saying anything? As you've pointed out, Rexburg was grabbing hold. And right. And Chad would say to me, Heather, they know what I'm doing. 
they know what I'm doing and they don't say anything. So that was one of those things I think, gosh, if an apostle would have like come themselves and said, Chad, what, this you're off track. It really made me feel like they really just don't care. They, their public relations and how they appear to the world is more important to them than at least how our family was doing. After Heather's story was published, I received an email from a grandmother in Rexburg, Idaho. I sensed in this grandmother's email a voice of pleading, and she requested repeatedly. I never share she wrote the message she privately sent me. After communicating a bit more, she decided she was okay with me sharing this part of her private message, as long as I gave no identifying information. On behalf of this woman, a grandmother and faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and on behalf of Heather Daybell and her story, I want to end today's episode with this. A message from a Rexburg grandmother to me, quote, You spoke the truth when you said Rexburg, where I live, is hurting. I consider myself very balanced with a strong testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ and a devoted love for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. At least, that was me before Chad Daybell. I've had and continue to have a crisis of faith. I too long for the church to step up and acknowledge that many of us are victims of Chad's teachings, and we need the brethren to address the elephant in the room, about which they have yet to even acknowledge. Their silence is deafening to many of us with heavy hearts concerning the bastardization that Chad Daybell imposed on so many things that were previously so sacred to us. Everything that I've embraced about the church is getting more and more sullied. I'm not sure what I believe anymore. Now, here's the reason I'm reaching out to you, Lauren. Please do not let this matter go unexplored. The church is failing many of us who live in the midst of these teachings. We don't know who to trust with our conversations and beliefs anymore, and it hurts. Please do not let it get swept under the prayer rug. Thank you, a Rexburg grandmother and member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. End quote. To this Rexburg grandmother, hidden true crime will not stop, and we have not stopped what we have been investigating since December 2019. We will continue to investigate, and we will continue to publish our findings, and we hope our listeners will continue to get caught up on our entire Beyond the Veil series, because more is coming. So much more. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.